and welcome to another episode of The Single Girl's Guide to Life. I'm Chantelle Dyson, a single life confidence coach, helping single women to love their single life and to stop getting caught up on getting back into a relationship. And we talk about single life topics weekly, whether it is a little bit of dating or we're looking at living alone, solo travel, just developing your own self-confidence, anything like that. And before we get into today's episode, can I ask you a favor? Would you mind heading to the subscribe or follow button, whichever one applies to whatever platform you're listening on and just click on that button because that will help people find this podcast to make sure that more and more single girls are getting the support, the advice and the guidance that will help them navigate this single life and not feel so blooming lonely and like they're the only one that's going through it. Because for anyone that's ever reached out to me, it's generally that feeling that they're not the only one and that there's good useful information within these podcast episodes that allow people to take that ownership back of their life, to sit through the catalogue of what is now something like 60 odd episodes and to just start focusing in on yourself, on themselves and to make the most of it. So if you could just do that before we begin, that would be super, super handy. Now on today's episode, we are going to be heading into something that happens every year, but I wanted to address this very specifically as we head into that section of the year. And that is the idea around being single during winter. The days are getting shorter. You will have noticed that it's getting darker earlier. Me and my friend, it's all we could talk about. Even like a month ago, we were like, have you noticed? Like it's just not summer anymore. And the weather, just like typical British weather, clicked and changed. It was really, really hot. I mean, we're all dying internally, couldn't get enough air spread in the rooms. And now it's that time of year where you put a jumper on in the morning, but you take it off later because it's cold and chilly in the morning, but it's not too bad in the afternoon. And it's too much to have a jumper on all the way through at the moment. But as singles, not only does the weather pose a challenge, but we've also got the idea and the build up towards Christmas that makes us to get those reminders of our relationship status and the feeling that we don't have that person necessarily. And it's all about being able to shift it in a way that means that you can make the most of winter time, because this does not have to be the be all and end all, but there are things that are reminding us that we're on our own, It is now harder to do some of the social activities in the same way with such freedom because some of you will be getting up in the morning and it will be dark and you will be coming home and it's dark and you might arrive to an empty house. You have to flick the lights on as you get in and it is just you. And with the cost of living pressure that we know is also exacerbating this situation, people are not going to have the money to go out there and do as many things to socialise. So as many single girls club events that I could put on, I've also got to think about how many people can actually afford to come along to those, which is why we've only got our Christmas mixer to end the November time. So if you literally don't have a workplace and you want to go out and celebrate a little bit of Christmasness, it's not going to be overly Christmassy, but it will have that vibe around it. Uh, And you want to meet some other single girls. We'll be doing that in Essex and Manchester at the end of November. But ultimately... People might have other Christmas parties and other things towards Christmas amongst all the other pressure we've got around finances and it's just not feasible. So how can we then be clever about what's going on in the UK in general, but also just the cyclical nature of seasons to make sure that we can get through the single life 
with confidence and not feeling set back by the weather and the way that the seasons work and the days work. We're going to go into that for today's episode to make the most of the winter month. So up first, number one is to make the most of the daylight hours that you do get. There are only a limited number of daylight hours and some of you generally, probably most of you, will spend the majority of that time in some sort of work place or doing work during that time. And that really limits the daylight hours that you have access to. But it's being clever about the daylight time that you do get or could get, even if it's a little bit cold or, you know, it is sandwiched between working. If it makes sense to go out and do a brisk walk outside to eat your lunch or to even go and get your lunch again, you've got to weigh up the cost of that, but then go do it. Or in fact, if you're able to eat at your desk, which is never that healthy, if you're like working and eating, it's not the best practice. We do benefit more. If you can put your work to the side and actually just eat your lunch and be present in that moment, that's going to be much more beneficial to you. But if you do happen to have to double it up, then actually take your 30, 40 hour long lunch break and go for a walk between 12 and 2, subject to it not raining. I mean, you can go if it's raining. It's just not as necessarily enjoyable, but I quite like the rain. It's just this idea that that's when the the sunshine is here and our bodies need that. Our bodies are already tired because if it's darker than our rhythm that I can't pronounce the word of, but the rhythm that your body works to doesn't work in quite the same way because the light's coming darker. So it's sleeping more, it's more tired, it doesn't get it, it's not waking up. So therefore we need to take advantage of that time in the middle of the day. And for my work at home buddies, it's really important that you put that time in your diary. The beauty of work from home generally is that you have some flexibility around when you can work and what you do around that work. So uh, my best suggestion is to schedule that time, whether you work from home, whether you work in office, schedule some time outside, whether it is just taking a wander, if you're somewhere that has got shops, popping into a shop, but not necessarily buying things or make it part of your lunchtime routine. If that's something that you want to do and can afford, but you do need those daylight hours to help your body a little bit. So that's just a general one to make sure that it doesn't get to you arriving and leaving in the dark. And it can be really useful for a bit of like a boost before you go back to working for the afternoon. I find the afternoon is so difficult to work in. I flag big time, especially if you've eaten food as well. It like just compounds on top of that, doesn't it? Now, the other thing that if you really can't get out or it's just not going to happen consistently, then is looking at the SAD lights. Seasonal, SAD stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. It's the medical term for the depression that occurs generally in the winter months because of the conditions of winter. And it's a seasonal form of low mood and so on. Now, this is not medical advice. That's not a medical diagnosis. If you feel that you're experiencing any of that, always seek the medical professionals on those. However, I have one of these lights. I haven't tried it in its full form. I'm going to give it a good go this year to get into a routine of using it. Uh, The idea is that it's meant to be therapeutic and it does the same thing as what the sun does for us during the day. So if you really are strapped for time or the actual practicalities around it, then that could be something that you put on in the mornings as you're getting ready or you do before bedtime and it can then have that effect. It'd be worth having a go and seeing some people swear by them. I'm sure there's other people that say they don't work for me. As with everything, not everything will work for you, but it is something that you might never have heard of. You might want to read up into a little bit more or 
it might be that it's more serious than that. You want to speak to a doctor and check that that's something that you could do amongst any other things that you might experience at this time of year. Number two, I think is one that I'm going to use quite a lot. And that is inviting friends over for dinner. Or you could even go as far as like doing like a dinner date style event, like a come dine with me, because we're going to have to think a little bit smarter around this. We're not necessarily all going to be able to afford to go out for food as much as we do. And as bad as that is for the restaurant industry, they're going to be tearing their hair out at me saying these things to you. Ultimately, we're living within the constraints that are currently put upon us and our heating's costing a lot. And the benefit of going out to a restaurant and not putting your heating on is not the same money-wise as just staying in and heating the home or the people, whichever route you're going for, to do that. The idea around inviting friends over for dinner, and it can just be one friend, is the idea that you are going to need to eat food anyway. One of you is at least going to need to be in your house anyway. So you may as well double up somewhere. And isn't it nice that when you are not in a relationship, sometimes the thing that you miss the most is the fact that you have to cook for yourself all the time and that you're on your own cooking and you have to do the cooking and the dishes. But it could be that if you can find whether it's another single friend or it is just a friend that's in a relationship, you take it in turns every week, every two weeks to have a night at one another's. And you either do it as a, I'll cook for you and clean up and you do that for me in a week or two's time. Or you do it as a, no, we're going to cook together and we're going to clean and wash and tidy up together as well. And it's just this idea of bonding. It gives you potentially some quality time with someone. So it might fit into some of the queries that a lot of you are asking me at the moment, which is my friend has just got into a relationship and I don't get to see them as much anymore. What do I do? Now, I did an episode on difficult conversations with friends. Go back to that episode and it will tell you how you can approach that conversation with your friends if you need to. But this can be a really good solution for that in general, whilst addressing some of the risk factors of being lonely, particularly at winter and living alone, and some of the things that you miss. I just don't want to cook dinner for myself today. I want to cook dinner with someone. I don't want to do the dinner and the dishes. And you get some dedicated time. It can be from six till nine. It doesn't have to be a really long time. And if you do have a group of friends, then do it as a group, take it in turns. And then you've got you know, a few weeks before you have to cook for yourself on a Tuesday, whatever night you're going for. I would choose a day that's not like a prime social day. Fridays and Saturdays, people are going to have bits and pieces on, whether it's work dues, other friends, weddings are still going on. Do it on a day that everyone can consistently do, like a Tuesday or a Wednesday where there isn't some sort of gym session that's going on, or if they have got children, something going on for the kids. Find a time where you get to share the boring experience of dinner with someone else, because that's what it is. And sometimes we miss experiencing those boring things with other people and, and having them to share, share with. Number three kind of links on from that one. And that is, is that if you are having any struggle during these winter months, whether it directly relates to being single or it's a symptom of or anything, the key with it all is to talk about it. So if you are having friends over for dinner, you have a potential opportunity to start to open up and to share. And it is this element of sharing that really deepens a relationship Yet it is one of the hardest things to do if you aren't used to sharing how you feel, especially with a feeling that doesn't feel particularly comfortable, for which you feel scared that someone's going to judge you for and that you don't necessarily want to admit to people. But talking is so powerful at making you feel like you aren't alone, of 
sharing and being vulnerable, which only creates an environment for sharing more and vulnerability back. And it also lets somebody know what you're really going through. We seem to have this belief that people will know. People will know that we're finding it hard, that, well, of course I'm lonely. Of course I don't want to do this on my own. I live on my own and I'm single. Of course that. But it isn't, of course. Because depending on what you portray on social media, depending on the answer you give to, hey, how are you, which you might just think is a pleasantry exchange, but it is actually an opportunity to be truthful of how you feel. It's not anybody else's job to just know how you feel, even in a relationship, because you will go, yeah, but my partner would know that, you know, they'd notice these things about it. Yeah, they might. And friends might too. But sometimes things go really unseen and it does take that person, it takes you to share it with someone. It's why talk therapy is so popular now because it's not even necessarily all the work that goes behind it. I'm not devaluing therapists there because I've had them myself and they've been truly helpful. But it is sometimes the role they play and I play the same role as a coach that there is someone out there that is willing to listen to you and not judge you on what you're saying. They will potentially develop some strategies with you or inspire you to go out there and find your own strategies and they will help you through that period and they will just be there to listen to soundboard off of and the classic quote don't know where it comes from but a problem shared is a problem halved as my grandma would say just feels like this whole weight is lifted off your shoulders when you start sharing it and once you start sharing you realize how not scary it is okay Admittedly, if you have a poor reaction from someone and they take it very badly, that's not going to help you along. I would choose the first person you ever share something with wisely. You are looking for at least some just low level of success with this, that they accept it, they respond well in some way that allows you to then go, hmm, I could share with them again and I could also share with that person. And you'll also learn how they respond, what they say, what they ask, so you won't feel so on the spot with the questions that they might prompt with like, oh, what do you mean you feel lonely? Or, oh, is there anything I can do to help? You might not have even thought about anyone offering help. So talking about it is important. Now, number four is an anticipation of the rebuttal you're about to give me for number three, which is I just don't have anyone to share things with. And that is a sorry situation to be in. And I completely understand why it happens. It's very easy to not connect with your family particularly if you are going through this personal development journey, you might be one of the only ones. And I I have been there. I get it. Totally get it. To the point that I was accused of maybe being involved in cults uh, when I first started this journey and I started talking about the things I did. And other people would comment and go like, your Instagram's changed. It's very different. I went, yeah, because I'm changing. Luckily, I had that confidence. But it can also contribute to the isolation if you're on any type of this journey that people don't get what's going on. And you're challenging lots of societal norms of the way that you've been raised, of the stories that you've told yourself about life, how it needs to be. And these people are pulling you back into those things whilst you're just trying to break free from it and get away. So you realise that you can't necessarily turn to family and you might even feel that with friends. Maybe all your friends are partnered off and it was a long time since they were single and they don't get it. It might not even be that. It might be that there are a mixture of single people, but they are just desperate to get into a relationship. And by listening to this podcast, you've realized it's not the way to get through it. It's not going to solve all your problems. Yes, you still do would like a relationship at some point, but it's not the thing that's going to stop any 
negative feelings and, and challenges that you experience, you've got to have lots of other things in your life than that. So how do you meet and, and, and what do you do when you don't have those people? Well, you have to meet new people. You have to find the people that chime with you. And people go, oh, I just don't know how to find them. And the reality is making friends at this age is hard. It's harder than it was at school because you spent so much time together at school. You've got to rack up 100 to 150 hours with someone to really establish a friendship. Easy at school and uni because you spent time together naturally. But if you are not making friends with colleagues, such you don't have a workplace where that sort of thing is possible now, you have to be realistic about how long it's going to take you to make friends if you do just go to a club once a week. It's perfectly possible to do this with going to a club once a week. If the club is for three hours, then you need to be going to get to up to 100 hours 33 times. It's going to take just over half a year if you're intensely talking to that person for three hours within that time or you know you feel like you're sharing something together. Now, how do you increase that? Well, you increase that by saying to them, oh, can I grab your number and I'll, I'll text you over the weekend, catch up with you then. Or, oh, grab your number and we'll go for a coffee. And you're increasing then another couple of hours that you touch base. So instead of three hours a week because of the club that you were doing, you're doing five hours because you go for a coffee on a Sunday morning as well. Or you walk the dogs together, whatever it might be. Another way to get sunshine during the day, go for walks at the weekend, take dogs for walks, go dog sitting, dog walking. Side note there, but I thought whilst it's come to my head, let's mention it. But yeah, you've suddenly got five hours. So instead of it taking 33 weeks, if you consistently did that, you're then up to 20 weeks. So half a year, not even that. Hey, throw in a little weekend away. Oh, do you fancy going to here? And let's do that. And let's go to Brighton. Let's go to Plymouth. Let's go to Margate. I don't know, wherever you fancy. That was all very South-based, I feel like, because that's where I'm from. But if you do a little Friday to Saturday or something like that, then you're spending, you know, 20 hours with someone. Racking it up. Now, time does not naturally just guarantee that the friendship will be a success. I'm talking about someone that you found within different groups you've gone to, whether it is a meetup like the Single Girls Club, ticketed events, or for me, it's going on business conferences when I look for business people to work with and uh, to learn about business from. Going on group experiences that I've spoken about before, like I go to a lot of festivals in that sense. I count that as a group experience. We have the girls getaways, whatever it might be in terms of finding someone that you click with within that natural environment of doing something that's fun to you and the person that you think you could continue a relationship with. Relationship, not meaning romantically per se, just literally the way you relate to someone and going that little bit further with it in that sense. So meeting new people, but being selective about who you want to then try and invest new time with. It's the same as dating. It's just not as high stakes and there's not as much pressure, which makes it a lot easier. Like if you, you're going in with, I've got to find my best friend forever from here, then you are making it high stakes. But if you can be reasonable about it and just be like, I joined the group because I really love this. Uh, and I really want to f- find some people to, uh, go to a coffee shop with, to go to a dog walk with, to go to the pub with on a Thursday, whatever it is to you, like tell people that as you join, because they might just even respond with, oh, I've been looking for someone to do that too. And no, none of these guys want to do it, but I would. You have to share. It comes back to this idea of talking about things, of talking about expectations and sharing. People can't read your mind. They don't know that you want to spend more time together. So create those opportunities and share. Be vulnerable. Be open and and upfront as well. On to number five. Number five is about practicing your self-care routines. This is the time where... Morning and bedtime routines can be really handy. If it's not something that you are used to doing, getting your body into rhythms and taking control over that can be really, really helpful. Uh, For me, 
some of it has gone by the wayside, but I don't feel that I need it so much anymore. But when I feel that I'm struggling, routine gives you the sense of control that you want and need. So then I'll be like, okay, I need to start bringing in journaling in the morning as well as journaling in the evening. I need to make sure my phone is going away at nine so that I can wind down for 10 or whatever it might be that creates your routine. It also goes wider than this. Self-care routines can sometimes be confused with doing nice things for yourself, such as like having a bubble bath. These are okay, but they're not really getting to the problem. They're a little bit surface level, but in actual fact, we need to be looking at self-care for our true selves. And that's why I mentioned something like journaling. You want something that allows you to learn about yourself. I do that in a number of ways. Journaling being one, I do that very specifically through more like challenging times. So when I'm going through dating stages, they be challenging times. I need to write stuff down so I understand how I'm feeling. Other times when I've not got a specific time to be sort of analyzing and assessing, journaling can still be very useful. I like to reflect on my day and it gives us that gratitude and appreciation for life and things going well. You've got the peak and the trough that go together. But if there's not necessarily anything that really spurs lots of writing, which um, challenging times do, then I will start to read books. I have more time because I'm not trying to deal with my own emotions and writing stuff down. So I have more headspace for going to the colourful bookshelf over there, choosing a book and really delving into it. It also can be helpful in challenging times because it allows me to make sense of what I feel I'm going through as well. And lastly, it's podcasts. Podcasts are the ones I fit into my day, such as driving to work. It's a 30 to 40 minute drive. So the perfect time to at least get through half of Diary of a CEO, or it could be a full Jay Shetty episode uh, and hit and miss depending on uh, Matthew Hussey's Love Life episodes as well. Just depends, but I'm learning something. And that to me is self-care. Learning psychology is because I have an interest in it. So hopefully you've got an interest in what I'm talking about, which is slightly psychologically informed, experience-based and all about single life. But self-care goes beyond the pretty niceties of some of the putting a candle on and creating a relaxed environment. It can contribute. It can contribute. I'm not saying those things aren't good, but I think really truly going like, how do I really take care of myself? And for me, it's knowledge and learning and giving my space to feel emotions. I used to push them down and repress them so much. Now I feel that. And that's what I mean by a true sense of self-care and developing those. And that's really important. Lastly, to round off with number six is to put something in your diary. It has to be said that when you have something to look forward to, there's always that little thing you can come back to. Even when dating's going crappily and you just want to make sure that you've got something to look forward to, something to go, oh, but I've got that. It doesn't matter didn't need them anyway. You need to have your life going on no matter what goes on otherwise, whether it is feeling lonely because of dating things gone wrong, feeling lonely because it's now just darker and you're not seeing as many people. Get stuff in your diary. And we reward people that put stuff in their diary at the Single Girls Club because we do early bird discounts for anyone that buys their ticket more than three weeks in advance. That's always been a thing. And for those that want to put the Galentines getaway in their diary and come along, we're going to the Somerset countryside with a hot tub, a little sauna area. It's just going to be a girly weekend for Galentines. If you book that before the 1st of November, you get some of the early pricing on that as well. Whilst we've also got the New Year's Eve getaway 
too. So there's lots of these things that you could put in during the winter season that motivate you to keep going, that you know you've got forward to looking towards and you know are going to happen and that you know you're going to be surrounded by people that are like you. And obviously, it doesn't just have to be the things that I run. Go and put something else in your diary. Find the thing that you want to do that you feel comfortable doing on your own. Our events are designed for people that come on their own. Like we have Zooms for the getaway to support people and our hosts at the Single Girls Club event are there to help people make sure that they're introduced, that they've got a welcome and that they're supported throughout the event. That's part of it. So go to something that you feel that you're going to be supported with attending alone. Meetup groups, any of them are pretty good for things like that. The idea is to bring people together and usually the hosts of those are really good as well. But there will be plenty of options for you to Find something specific to put in your diary. It might be that you want to go to a concert and you're going to do it on your own. It might be that you're going to put a cinema trip in because you've never done it before on your own. And these don't have to be things that you do on your own. You might just say to someone, can we put this in the diary? I really want to do this for Christmas. You know, winter wonderland. People love that up, up in London during this time. But get it booked with your friends. And if it, your friends aren't there, don't feel that they can be there for you because their Christmas periods are busy. It's one of those times isn't it, where everyone's got like 6,000 things going on. Then you've got to know how to do it for yourself. And if you do want a group experience, you've got to find the things that encourage you to do that. Or you really push in and have a go at that independence yourself. Both I've done. Both I help support. Neither is right or wrong. It's what you feel you want to do right now. Being single during the winter months is no different to being single at any other time in the year. These things are useful whenever, but we have a particularly difficult winter coming. So some of them can be useful in terms of prioritizing what you can and need to afford first. But you have to remember that you are a priority here. Your self-care is really important and you need to develop a system that works for you. Your social connections are really important. So spend the time with friends, Ask them if they're your real friends, if they're the people that are going to be there for you, then they will respond positively to suggestion of doing dinner. And you make a joke about it. Just trying to save a bit on the cost of living and keeping the house warm. Like if you've got more people in your house, you don't have to heat it up as much or in that one room, you know, little things like that. Or if you want to come to one of our events, they are there for you. All of this and all that I try and create is there to help you be able to get through your single life with absolute confidence. And the confidence program is running at the moment. The doors will open for that towards November if you're looking to get into the second cohort of our single life confidence program to help you navigate that across 12 to 13 weeks of really leaning into yourself. So keep that on the radar if that's something you want to. But it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. Winter has lots to offer. Use it as a time to enjoy all the warmth and snuggling down at home and Use the time at home to explore yourself, to find out who you really are if you don't know yet, and to develop those relationships with people. Until next time, keep celebrating single life together. Mm-hmm.